Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. This is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right. On top. Here we go. It's tricky to rock around, to rock around. That's right. On time is tricky. Earl Bailey joins us now. 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hans and Scotty. Time to classy up the joint. Yes. Big T, how are you? Hey, Thurl. I'm good. I wish I was a... On vacation like Hans was. What were you on vacation for a month, Hans? What, what was it? <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, It was just longer than a couple weeks. That's all. I, I like to right. just say a couple weeks. You deserve weeks. it. Oh, I do. I do. I felt like I needed to get away. Actually, Scotty told me, why don't you take another week? Yeah, maybe yeah. add on to that a little bit. Be nice to have Thurl <laughs> and other people that do good radio. By the way, my wife was at the game uh, on Saturday, and she ran into Thurl. And uh, and by the way, yes, Thurl, thanks did. for being so so nice and and everything. But she's like, man, Thurl's really popular at those games. Like everybody yeah. wants a piece of Thurl. Yeah, yeah. Big T, you you do such an amazing job putting yourself out there for the fans. Do you, do you love that aspect of what you do? Yeah, I just love being me. I think I think uh, well, the community's been the city and the state's been great to me, and and it, it and it's not just because of my basketball playing and so it's it's i've made it my home and you know just i love love being available for people hey by the way does it feel like 40 years since uh oh my gosh the national championship no it really doesn't you know and and uh i just got back from raleigh where we celebrated yeah they honored us at the nc state wake forest game and it's it blows me away. I think the most, for the most part, that the young people today know what happened back then, and they weren't even born, but they know about it. Their parents, their grandparents, have told them about. It. They've seen the documentary, and it's just uh, it's nice that it never feels like it gets old. What are your college accomplishments rank with some of your professional accomplishments like that that what you guys were able to pull off then where does that rank in some of the things you've been able to achieve in your life well everybody wants to win right i mean if if whether you're an athlete or in corporate america you want to be a champion in something and it doesn't matter what that's in and the fact that we won the championship was great but the journey to get there was probably the biggest teacher uh, of lessons in my whole life, you know, of defeat, of failure, all those things that you have to climb out of to to get to the place you want to. And so 
Um, I don't know if there's much that can really touch the journey of that championship because it doesn't happen that way in any arena very often the way it happened to us. Uh, and, you know, Coach V used to say, you know, ordinary people doing extraordinary things. It, it happens every day. And for a collective group like us to to kind of serendipitously come together and for a purpose to win a national championship, um, yeah, that, that's that's got to be the the top right there. Hans is uh, it's uh, it's really unmatched, and again, it's a story that that's relived year after year, and forty years later, we're still celebrating it. Well, every time you know when I'm calling a Utah State game down in the pit, I walk over. That 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 same look at that spot where it was Wittenberg who took the three right before Lorenzo Charles, or not it the was. three, but the the long shot, and then Wittenberg with the dunk. It is, and you know they tore that floor up, and we were able to get a piece of that. Oh, floor nice! Presented to us on a plaque, and one of the people responsible for it was Derek Wittenberg for making sure we all got a piece. There's two pieces on it. There's a piece, and it has on it pass. And then it has on the the second piece dunk, <laughs> and so Derek Wittenberg's still selling the fact yeah, that that was pass. a pass. <laughs> he wants that assist, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he does. Hey, I was thinking about this big T because you go back to 1982. I think that they put the three point line out on the court in the NBA in 1979 or 80, if I remember right. And I'm just watching Damian Lillard put up 70 plus, and and now there's eight guys that have scored 70 plus. Um, in NBA history, Damian being one, you've got Donovan Mitchell who's out there, uh, and a lot of it is is pretty recent as far as being able to score the seventy. Is it crazy to see these guys coming up and putting up those kinds of points? And it, in the time that you were playing, was it just more difficult to put up the seventy? And we weren't letting anybody score seventy points on us. <laughs> Are you kidding me? They had to haul him out of the game because, because you know, defensively you could guard a guy. You know, you could lay wood on him, and the three point shot obviously wasn't as prevalent. And so it was a, it was a more physical game. It was probably a slower game. I, I, I admit to that. Um, so you know, as the rules have changed, obviously the, the offensive player I think has an advantage, and great offensive players have us uh, more of an advantage but you got to give credit to players like Damian who are able to go out there even in today's game to be able to rack up those many points and to be able to do it in the fashion that they do it is very exciting um so you know I don't knock those guys for for being able to do that in this this uh, day and age and era of basketball because the game is really geared towards great players uh, to be able to score the ball. And, and, you know, you work on anything long and hard enough, you can become a specialist at it. And that's really what these guys are. So let's say uh, Thurl Bailey is currently a, you know, a 19-year-old college freshman growing up in the day and age of today's college basketball. Do you think your skill set, um, would you have been a three-point shooter? Could you have stretched the court a little bit, given uh, how you were able to play? I could have stressed it anyway. Jerry Sloan <laughs> was not a big three-point No shot guy and, and you know I was a small forward so I had a nice little corkscrew jumper I could have I could have been a contender from the three-point line if I was able to shoot those threes but you know the game has really changed but yeah I mean it, it really is 
how you're developed, you know, based on the game. I mean, I obviously I played center in high school and my game evolved. And in college, I was a small forward because we had Lorenzo Charles and Cozell McQueen at the other two bigs. So um, what I did was really ahead of its time. I was a small forward in the NBA as well. But, um, yeah, I, I think you develop to do things that are going to, you know, help you advance your career. And today, this day and age, the training would be a little bit different. Um, but what once was, you know, get to the rim, get to, get to the layup. Now it's you know, three's more than two. So I want to put more of these up and that's what everybody's working on now. No, no more, not a lot of post stuffs in the, in the league anymore. Speaking of that, going back just a couple of games ago, Oklahoma city, you come out of the all-star break and the first offensive possession you rotate walker kessler out to the perimeter <laughs> he gets the knockdown three take me to that moment what were you thinking and and See, what does that mean gonna, to, to him we're gonna we're gonna get walker in trouble here because <laughs> um you know as a big you like to see that right and, and and i knew walker had that capability we had some conversations uh, i had him in the lab and talk talking about block shots and um you know he shot some threes in college so I knew he had a nice touch. He's got one of those high-release touches, but it's a soft touch for a big guy. Um, but I was happy for him because you know that was a design play, right? It, it just it was a design play for him to come out of the shoot and knock down a three, and so or at least shoot a three. But he ends up knocking it down, and I'm not sure Coach Hardy's going to make that a regular thing. But it, it is good for him to have that kind of confidence, right? That you know, the coach will run a play for him. It's not a post-up, um, but it's something that maybe can get him going to do other things. He does so much on the defensive end, that really is kind of a reward for him uh, to be able to at least get a taste of it, if you will. Well, if you run that play, the first play of a game, and and then over the next two games he gets 30 rebounds over those next two games, you're willing to sacrifice a play for him every now and then if that's how he responds, for sure. Absolutely, and, and he's a hundred percent. He's a hundred percent three point shooter right now. I would fact, feel good. I would not shoot another three. I would carry that one hundred percent the rest of my career. But uh, <laughs> but you know the thing is with Walker Kessler, it's just I mean honestly, you played this game at a high level. You you know what it takes to be successful. This young man is just I mean I look at my my oldest is a junior in college. Uh, he Walker Kessler is only a year older than he is. I can't imagine just knowing how young and dumb those kids are at that age to be doing what he's doing and imagining once he matures and really figures out just how special he could be. No question about it. And, and I think he's starting to understand that. And he's the kind of guy who, you know, he looks at this league and, uh, matter of fact, let's go back to college because before college, in AAU and high school, he was a scorer. That's what he liked to do. Um, but everybody likes to score. So he decided to find the one thing that he could do that he could excel in that not a lot of, not a lot of players were doing, and that's block shots. So we discussed the art of shot blocking because I love the block shots as well when I played. And, and there's an art to it. It's not something that just happens. You have to really you know, have the instincts. First of all, the desire to want to, you know, to block shots and, and to alter shots and to play that defensive role. Um, so that's where I know the maturity begins with him. 
is I'm going to go out and do my job. I'm not going to try to overdo it. I'm going to find my little niche, and I'm going to thrive in that. And now he's developing into just a fine NBA player. He puts on 15, 20 pounds over the next couple seasons. Oh, man, what a monster. He's going to be hard to deal with. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, Thurl, I've been watching Larry Marketing now for throughout this year, and I feel like, okay, it's all going to settle down. Things will come back around. It was an incredible run to a, an, an incredible um, all-star invite and a start, but it's going to settle down. But then he, he surprises me with his power, his incredible athleticism, everything that he's got. He just continues to surprise me. Try to help me understand what the ceiling is for Lowry Markkinen. Well, I think it's a lot higher than what you see now. And I, I think uh, you can stop being surprised because he's a real deal. And my take is he, he's he's had all these things. I mean, he's, he's really had them. He really hasn't had a chance to use them all. Uh, and you have to be in the right system, the right place, the right time. And he talks a little bit about that. Um, but he continues. He continued to develop. He continued to to develop his his skill set. And and once he got to the Jazz, and the other teams probably would have found that as well with him. But um, now that he's here, he's given been given the freedom to be able to go out and be himself. And part of that, I think, came from when he played uh, in. In, in the summer, uh, in the Eurobasket, and and so when you're a coach and you see that, you say, okay, how can we get what we're seeing right now? How can we kind of cater our system to uh, to? Looks like we may have lost Thurl. Thurl, are you there still? Nope. Cell phone. God's reached out and said no. We'll try to get Thurl back on the line. Uh, I was loving what he was just saying about Lowry. Yeah. Just continues to surprise me. He, oh, Thurl's oh, back. There we go. Thurl, sorry we lost you there for a second. Continue on. You were you were talking about Lowry marketing. Yeah, I was just saying that, you know, Lowry, I think Lowry had those tools. He just needed a place where he could kind of be himself and be free. And I, Coach Hardy talks about seeing him in the summer. Yeah, in Europe playing and and now when he gets here you put him in a position where he can be himself and you live with the things that you know he may not be good at but I honestly think that Lowry had to be convinced that he was the best player on the team he was the first option and once you get that 
co-sign from your coach and your teammates, uh, the sky's the limit and his ceiling is still awfully high. Thurl Bailey joins us here, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. So, again, this team right now sits on the eighth spot. Um, they're, you know, right there on the cusp of, you know, fl- having a flat-out uh, spot in the playoffs, at least in the uh, in the uh, playing tournament. When the dusk settles and clears on this year, do you think this Jazz team will be playing postseason basketball in some way, shape, or form? I really do see that. <laughs> Yeah, I see it. I mean, every night they come out, they're coming to win. And, you know, we're sitting eighth right now, but what are we, two games out of fourth or fifth? I mean, it, it, it's it's amazing what a traffic jam it is uh, in both conferences, in particular the Western Conference, where, you know, you could lose one or two games and be out of that play-in game quadrant or, you know, or be in it. And so um, I, I think that's their goal. They don't talk about it a lot, right? I think for – I asked Coach Hardy about this. And I said, well, you know, everybody has to have a goal. And as a player, you're looking at the standings, especially at this time of the season. What are you saying? What are you talking about? I mean, I'm used to Jim Balbano saying, hey, we are going to win a national championship. And, you know, looking at each other like, who? But – you know, you, I think you have to talk about your goals, and I'm, I have a feeling that in that locker room that they're talking about playoffs now. And so um, that's the kind of play you're getting from these guys. I mean, it, it's, it's just interesting to watch every game and watch them play clutch games and, and win them in the end. Or just be in, They haven't gotten blown out a lot of times this season. So I, I believe that they will be there. I believe we will see some postseason action beyond the playing game. Big T, give me just a couple of thoughts on Chris Dunn. Oh, man. You know, first time I, I really talk, saw him practice or, or his first debut for the Jazz, um, I saw some Jamal Crawford in him and just the way he carried himself. You now, Jamal Crawford one of the most prolific scorers in the game, great sixth man a couple of times. And not so much the scoring that I see, but I saw his mannerisms, his ball handling, and the way Chris was able to um, get the space he wanted for a pass and set up his teammates. And the Jazz, you know, when you lose a really good point guard like Mike Conley, you know, a seasoned guy who's a great veteran, it's hard to replace that kind of calmness. Um, And you get different things from Colin Sexton and, and putting... Kalen Horton Tucker at a point forward. But I think Chris Dunn really is cementing himself as potentially part of the future of this franchise, in my eyes, with what he's been able to do in such a short time. So when you look at uh, this team and you look at uh, what they've accomplished so far and what uh, they probably will accomplish, how just how impressed are you with Will Hardy now, Grant, he's been around a lot of good coaches, and he's been around a lot of good programs, but your first time walking those sidelines and having the success that he's had this year uh, with this roster and having his roster gutted midway through the year and then still winning games, I mean, get, kind of give me your, your thoughts on how he's handled himself as a first-time head coach. All those things you mentioned where he came from, they don't always guarantee success, do they? No, not at all. You could be part of a great uh, – 
genealogy in the NBA in the in the league that doesn't guarantee success. But I I believe that it's not. And he would tell you this. I think I've talked to him enough times. It it's not just about him. He has to coach the team that he's given. And so when you look at what Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck have done with retooling this team and also garnishing assets and things for the future um, and building it and deciding to build it, to figure out, first of all, who they're going to build it around. Because I don't think that was known initially. Um, and then finding a guy who could come in and kind of have the temperament to get to know all these guys and then put them in a position to be successful. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I don't know exactly their expectations at the beginning of this. I know most people on the outside uh, didn't think much of what this team was going to be able to do. But I think, Will, I ask him from time to time when we just walk by to say, you still having fun? He, said, you, he says, you bet I am. And sometimes that's after a loss. And so a guy like that who can come in and get the most out of the team that is put in front of him, uh, you know, he, he obviously is a special coach. These guys really buy into what he's saying. They love him. Um, and he has the ability to be their coach, which means it's not all good all the time. You know, you're not just going to get, you know, the, the, the buddy coach Hardy, Hardy. You've got to, you know, sometimes you got to have some tough love, and he's able to do that, and these guys are able to continue to go out and, and thrive um, for him and play for him. Well, Thurl, appreciate it as always. Uh, enjoy uh, the rest of the season, and uh, let's do this again here very soon. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks, BT. You got it. Thurl Bailey right here on 97.5, the EKSL Sports Zone. Man knows what he's talking about. 40 years ago, the miracle in Albuquerque with Jim Valvano, Thurl Bailey, and NC State winning a national championship. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.